What we expect to happen in the postseason, since you know technically the se- the season isn't over for everybody yet. But we want to wrap, do just do a quick wrap on sort of the the last week or so of, of the season, like we usually do. So, needless to say, we haven't won a game since we last recorded. <laughs> uh, kind of uh, kind of disgusting to realize. I mean, there's some close ones in there, but honestly, the offense just fell apart. Yeah, well, the, lots of things on the team fell apart. I mean, after after the for, for the last two three weeks of the season, our pitching staff was clearly suffering from uh, a hard, hard a lot of hard work they put into the season. There was a lot of uh, you know, Hamill wasn't himself. Francis was never himself after getting hurt. Um, Jimenez. Couldn't get the twentieth win done. Man, Jimenez's last start too—he really showed up for that start. Like, no, he he did. He he, he, really he was up. he was on top of it, and you know, obviously, he wanted it. Jim Tracy wanted it. It, 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 it would have been great, but I mean, while it's disappointing, at least we we he he managed to set a new franchise uh, win record with that. So yeah. it wasn't a complete loss. No, I agree. I mean, if you look at the numbers Ubaldo set for the season. His, uh, his his incredibly low for Coors Field ERA was definitely a record setter at a 2.88, a 3.11 FIP for those of you who follow the more advanced numbers. Uh, posted 6.2 uh, WAR on the season, which uh, is a little bit overboard to look at all that there. But uh, if you look at like Baseball Reference, they still mark the official ERA record for uh, Marvin Freeman during the strike shortened season. Uh, at least I believe it was. Yeah, he um, had like a 2.70 ERA, something along those lines, and I don't really, well, I don't really buy that. Um, you know, it was a shortened season, and he didn't even spend the entire you know season in the rotation. I'm more than content to say that Ubaldo uh, is the uh, single season holder. He also set the single season mark for wins, which I obviously don't really put much stock in, but uh, um, you know, good for him all the same. Uh, and strikeouts set the single season strikeout mark with uh, 214. I actually didn't know that one. Uh, I yeah. knew that he'd set several records, and I definitely see what you mean about uh, comparing uh, Marvin Freeman to all those uh, uh, records that Jimenez has now. I think it's pretty Marvin safe Freeman. to say that uh, Jimenez has pitched the single best season as a starting pitcher for the team. If Freeman didn't have a miserable season by any uh, any stretch, but he had a um, didn't really strike many guys out. His biggest strength is keeping the ball in the park and not walking like anybody. He only made 18 starts. 19 mm-hmm. games total, 18 starts, he went 10-2. and two. And, you know, that's that's a good, you know, stretch. I guess that's a good, you know, two-thirds of a season. But, uh, no, Jimenez pitched a complete season, 221 innings. Um, yeah, just just a great season for him. And, you know, just really pleased to see that he was able to, uh, you know, I, I guess overcome um, a lot of the uh, overworking, just that last start. Because you could see that everything, nothing was going right his last couple starts in there. Um, and even though the results ended up okay with a couple of them, I mean, he was, his fastball control was gone, he was relying on a lot of breaking stuff, and he really just kind of saved what he had left for that last start, and the Rockies just couldn't do anything against Kyle Loesch. 
how do you not hit the crap out of Kyle Loesch? It's 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 just unacceptable. And you know, I I mean, once uh, good for you, Baldo. He did his job to get that elusive win, and the team just did not back him up at all. Mm. I, I, I suppose you just hope that uh, he brings he 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 is able to come back next season and do something special with that as well. But I mean, I he, doubt he, we'll see anything anywhere near what he did first half twenty ten. Yeah, and I, I I don't I I think that was pretty unprecedented to begin mm-hmm. with because we know he was on pace for something like winning something like 30 of 36 starts or something like that. And that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what you'd be looking for is less of a fluky start and less of a fluky end to kind of balance out and hopefully a lot less uh, 130 pitch outings. Yeah. And when it's funny because when uh, Ubaldo had his first half, all the sabermetric people are saying, well, it's been good, but I mean – He's been getting an awful. He's been getting awfully lucky with his uh, with you know balls in play and the yeah. defense backing him out. But then the second half when he kind of fell apart, this is where a lot of the non sabermetric people come out and say, "Oh look, he's only like you know a two and ten pitcher or whatever." You know, it's his true colors coming out. Well, I don't. I mean, why are we so sure that that's his true colors? You know, falling apart and not looking good. How do we know his true colors aren't somewhere in between? Which is where they are, obviously, because he's not a Bob Gibson esque pitcher. That's a fact. I mean, he could be up there soon, but this season, I mean, it looked Bob Gibson-esque, but it just wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. And But then again, also, losing control of his fastball over the place was also not Ubaldo Jimenez. I mean, much he's, he's a much better pitcher than, uh, than his second-half numbers would, would suggest. Right, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Um... So, you know, the, the, point of, the entire point of saying that is, you know, next season we're not going to see anything quite as supernatural, but it's going to be good still. Yeah, and I, I could see him, assuming everything goes well, ha- winding up in a place similar to this one in terms of season-long statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it will be uh, through a very different path. Uh, p- presumably, I can't say for sure. You never know what's going to happen. but Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, there's, no, there's no way to really, really, really project this, but... Uh, I'm really just hoping that uh, he he gets a good off season program to uh, you know kind of limber himself back up so that uh, a lot of the overwork he might have seen this season won't be uh, won't be quite as apparent. I mean, the problem one of the problems we saw second half was him just losing the strike zone, and he posted a higher uh, walk rate than he did last season. He um, so I have a percentage on here. No, nah, but he walked uh, he walked three and a half batters per nine, walked three and three quarters per nine this season, which isn't that dramatic of an increase, but uh. He posted exactly the same strikeout-to-walk ratio within two digits there, 2.33. I will take that every day of the week. His home run suppression was better than last season. Um, batters hit better or worse off him this season. Lower whip, even though that may or may not mean that much, it's, it's something good to look at there. He did a lot of things right this season. He uh, definitely uh, had some growing points and uh, some stuff he can build on for next season. One other note we can mention going out before we talk about playoff stuff is uh, Carlos Gonzalez ends the season as the uh, holder of the NL batting title. That's uh, correct. What was his final average? Do you know? He didn't play today, so it's whatever it was it, yesterday. I believe it was 338. Let me double check that. And it looks like it was. Drum roll. Finished off with a tally of 336 on the season. Okay. So 336 slash 376 slash 598 line. He had 34 home runs, 117 RBI, and he stole 26 bags. Pretty good breakout season. Yeah, no, absolutely it was. And 
I, I feel com- I feel comfortable having the three four combination of Gonzalez and Tulowitzki for next season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be interested to see how Gonzalez rebounds with guys who don't. Uh, well, ne- even just ignoring his uh, home road splits, which were something just atrocious. If you look at his uh, his walk rate was exceptionally low, and I don't think or not it, it got better as the season. It did get better, but it was it t- to begin the season he went something like two and a half weeks before he walked one yeah. time. Uh, the difference was is that um, the, the concern, only concern I have, and it's not, it's not, I'm not trying to badmouth the season at all. He hit 336. That's pretty decent right there. I mean, it's pretty phenomenal for these this day and age. But um, I am hoping that his game begins to round itself more, so that well, he may. Um, I don't think he's going to hit 336 again next season, but then maybe he can keep somewhere in that 370 on base percentage range and uh, basically make more use out of his plate appearances. And him being 24 years old, there's a, there's a lot of room for him to grow still as well. And that's a lot to say about the uh, about a lot of the players in the on the team, really, because we're about to make this, you know, and not youth movement in the sense of selling everyone off and you know another three years of rebuild. Not like that, but uh, guys. I mean, a lot of people were frustrated with Ian Stewart, with Chris Ineta, with Dexter Fowler, and the fact that they just didn't seem to step up the way we wanted them to this season. Though interestingly, and, Dexter uh, Fowler was the only player who showed up to this final week of uh, of this of the season. He, yeah, he's all right. Yeah, he did more than all right. He he. Uh, I think he was responsible for more than half our hits in two of the games. Uh, his last, yeah, you're absolutely right. His last, uh, his not counting uh, Sunday's game, his previous six games to that, he um, didn't take a single walk, which is a little surprising considering Dexter Fowler is a good, uh, he has a lot of good patience, on base guy. Yeah. But he batted three seventy with a six sixty seven slugging, and that included uh, two triples and a double and one homer. And 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 his last week of the season was a, a thousand OPS season or mm-hmm. week, I should say. Yeah. So. Um, we'll, we'll have plenty more to talk about what we need guys like Fowler and, uh, Stewart and a few other people to do next season, but, uh, for now, if, if you're ready, let's move on and start talking about the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I guess. There's not much more to say than, other than confusion about why the team looked like they gave up so completely. Well, I think they did give up. I, I, I feel like they, they, uh, it was either dejection or disappointment or some such, but they were unable to pull themselves out of the, the, the you know, roller coaster drop that sent them out of the playoffs anyway. And Which is, is sad, because you're hoping that they could obviously, you know, to bring up Ibaldo one last time, uh, that, they, that they could, um, you know, get it together, just muster up whatever they had left for one last explosion off a very weak pitcher like Kyle Loesch. And yeah, there was still other stuff to do, too. Like, w- w- without... Since they didn't win any other games, they uh, now are they're still tied for third instead of breaking the third in terms of full season uh, wins. Eighty three wins was not impressive, and I mean it's almost one of those things where you, I don't I don't even think of the last week and a half as being as counting in a sense. But the fact is they finished eighty three wins, and you know what? Of these uh, last two weeks had meant something. Mm-hmm. I mean a- after that last Giants uh, loss. I mean, the game we lost to the Giants. I mean, what if that hadn't been the uh, the final nail on the coffin? What if we had something left? I mean, would they have still shown up like this, or what? Yeah, I don't. I I definitely see what you're saying because what if we were say in something like San Diego's position where we were ahead of the division? Yeah, I feel like, and again, I can't I can't say that this is true the for for sure, but it feels to me like. We wouldn't have had that week of play this last week if we were still in it. And which is 
kind of funny because, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to point necessarily point fingers at anyone. I'm going to mention Jim Tracy here, but not necessarily meant to crucify the man based on this, like, last ten games here. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about how, uh, you know, say what you will about Clint Hurdle, there's no way that he would have let this fly. That's one thing we saw when Clint Hurdle was a manager is that he would bust balls and make everybody – you know, play a zillion percent, even if the you know the game was out of reach and stuff like that. And this season, I just never seen this. I mean, any any combination of this Rockies team over the last five years give up like they did at the end of the season. Yeah, it was pretty uncharacteristic of them. And in some cases, particularly since our pitching staff was just down down and broken and hurt, I can understand struggling. I I, I could see. Going over this last week, maybe two and five or something like that. Yeah. But the the complete and I mean, especially over the last two games, these last two games we played, everybody looked really lazy. Yeah. And it, today maybe a little bit more understandable because we sent our AAA team out there. Chris Nelson made a mental error that you know probably Troy Tulowitzki wouldn't have or yeah. Clint Barmas wouldn't have. Um. So. In some cases like that, maybe, but it, it still didn't look very pleasant. And it was it was probably one of the most consistently bad, ugly uh, occurrences of just the game of baseball being played that I've seen since I started really following over it over the last few years. And part of it was bad luck. I'm not trying to pretend that they, they literally just didn't try on anything. Because, I mean... Like, there was one single that went off of Esmiel Rogers' foot and rolled in the left field. I mean, it would have been a tough play one way or another, but it's it's just watching the season, you're kind of like, really? Just just really? Is Really? And there's not much else to say besides, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Is, is this really happening? And, you know, that just kind of stinks. It's, it, it's how it goes sometimes. But you know, the one question I have, though, is if the team was looking tired and like they were giving up, why didn't we just throw the AAA team out, like, the day after we got completely eliminated, except for possibly Ubaldo's last start? That's kind of what I'm wondering. I mean, as much as I want to see, I mean, even if it would have ended up more poorly, I mean, seeing, you know, like, Ionetta at first and uh, Nelson at uh, or no, Eric Young at second, or Nelson at short, uh, Herrera at third, just throwing out the guys who, you know, may or may not have a shot next season – but definitely not the guys who are guaranteed to be on the roster. I just I didn't see much of a point of it. I don't understand why we put Malik. I mean, <clears throat> I feel awful about Oliva's concussion, and I'm just I mean, I'm not saying the same thing wouldn't have happened to Ionetta or McHenry or or Paul Phillips, but I, I just kind of sat there and wondered why is Olivo even out there? Well, to 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 be fair, in that sense, that was Oliva's first start of the week. So I mean, yeah, yeah. He, he he was for the most part sat down, and so were so were a lot of people. Uh, I mean, Young was out because he's hurt again, uh, so he, he wouldn't have been able to play anyway. Yeah, I completely forgot about his injury. That's a um, mistake there. But I, I, I think that they waited a little too long to start doing it, but for this last week, we did see a lot more of Nelson and a lot more of a uh, few other people. We saw more of our younger pitchers. We saw Escalona out there a couple times, for example. Mm-hmm. So the, the attitude changed, but I agree. It kind of came at the last minute. And it was just more of a kind of a shrug off uh, decision that kind of smelled like, oh, I guess our season's over. Maybe I should like play the young kids or something. Yeah. One <laughs> other thing I want to point out, and that's before we uh, move on, because we will, I will be happy to move on after this last point is, uh, 
good for Barmus on having a good game, which is possibly his last game in a Rockies uniform. Francis didn't do so hot, though. Francis? Yeah, Francis came in in relief. Yeah, that's right. I was about to say, Rogers got the start. Yeah. yeah I, forgot, I forgot. It's one of those games where you kind of turn it on and off, checking the score, checking the record, seeing what other sports were on at the same time, because... Not to say that I had given up, because I wanted us to win it, and we were still in reach, but even a two-run deficit, the way that things have been going for us lately, I mean, just disappointing. Mm-hmm. But Fowler and Barmus both had uh, two hits apiece. Um, Fowler did draw a walk today, so he was two for three with a walk and a and a homer. <clears throat> he was yeah, in that, one run we got there. That homer that broke our uh, record 30-inning uh, scoreless streak. I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. It's uh, unreal. Yeah. All right, so postseason stuff. Let's start with the AL first, since we can probably, you know, kind of gloss over that a little bit quicker. Um, we've got the – we've had – we've known for quite some time that Minnesota was going to have the Central and uh, Texas was going to have the West. Today, the only thing that really got settled was – uh, between the Yankees and Rays, who was going to be the wild card and who was going to be the division. And as it turned out, Tampa Bay won the division. So they will be playing Texas, and they get home field advantage, where New York will be playing Minnesota, and they are the away team. Yeah. So talk to me about these four teams. Which ones are surprises to you, or which ones are you excited to see? Well, the Rays coming right back up is is one of the more exciting things for me. Um, just to kind of show that the whole uh, <clears throat> building from within thing will work eventually. You know, it doesn't. Uh, and the fact that they're doing it in arguably one of the hardest divisions in baseball, where you had basically four teams going into it, and, and we know that the Blue Jays weren't really in it, but at least at the All Star break, it was a pretty thick division. And then Baltimore was at you know scraping the bottom of the yeah, and, and barrel. We we talked about Toronto once before. I think it might have been while while we were playing them, and I I, I remember defending them, saying that they had a really good start, and you had already kind of written them off, uh, which I think was fair. But at the same time, Toronto was right in the thick of it for at least the first couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, and they played solid baseball. I mean. A lot of that was driven by uh, by the resurgence of Vernon Wells and uh, Jose Bautista's season and uh, just things like that. But uh, um, yeah, Jose just... Bautista came out of nowhere. I mean, yeah. he, I, I was looking at his stats and I, I don't have them up right now, but his previous home run record was like under fifteen. Yeah, it was really really strange. So he must have had some sort of uh, significant mechanical or mental change in the way he approaches his offensive game for something like that to happen. And I'm glad you didn't jump right to the, uh, I know you wouldn't, that's not your style, but jumping right to the uh, steroid allegation, I'm pretty sure that the guy has been tested numerous times this season, and that's what I've read from a couple different sources discussing him. Whatever he did, he figured it out completely, and he just, I mean, hitting over 50 home runs in in a relatively decent pitching division, that's... You know, nothing to uh, nothing to sniff at. Mm-hmm. No, I, I certainly wouldn't make an allegation like that about anybody, even people who think uh, it's pretty likely that they might have been doing up up to some sort of uh, shady uh, operation. But really, I mean, it's it would be a lot harder for somebody to get away with something like that. And just the way it went down, I think it's really just more of a pleasant surprise for the guy rather than anything else. So, but, but honestly, I'm good for. Good for him. I mean, 
it's fun to see the home run total blips all over the charts, like everywhere, because, I mean, it's just awesome to see that it's still one of those sports where randomness happens, and uh, Jose Bautista is definitely a big part of random baseball happening. And it's, I don't know, I appreciate it, just because it kind of throws everything for a loop. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have both of the American League playoffs start on Wednesday. Again, we've got Yankees at Twins, and that's going to be, it looks like from my uh, list of playoff pitchers here, it'll be Sabathia versus Luriano, which uh, which makes sense. Twins have home, f- Twins have the home field here. Um, Rangers and Rays will be second. I don't know who the Rays are going to start. It doesn't have it listed here. Do you know? Well, the Rays are pr- probably going to toss out Price first. I would think so, but... <clears throat> oh, there's no way they don't. There's just no way they don't. He's been the most excited, exciting guy on their team. I, um, I agree. I just know that sometimes in the postseason, teams will do weird stuff with the rotation because of weird little factors like, this one pitches better at home, this one pitches better on the road, and that sort of thing. You would think with someone like Price, they'd, they'd pitch him out for the first game anyway, especially against someone like Cliff Lee. Yeah, it's a very <clears throat> um, uh, symbolic kind of thing, too, that... I don't see. I personally don't agree with the whole idea of pitching ace versus ace in the round of the playoffs. I think it was uh, it might have been from Sun Tzu's Art of War. I read this was I was reading this somewhere else, but they're saying I have three races and three horses. I pit my worst horse against their best horse, so that it basically yield the one win. And then the next two races, I pit my second, I pit my best against their second best, and my uh, second best against their worst. Uh-huh. So that gives me the better odds in two out of three rather than. Um, just trying to stack, you know, three right against each other like that by their perceived order. Of course, that that assumes that there's kind of an equal footing between both oh, of their absolutely. first and both of their seconds and both of their third. So when you, if you, if one team were to have a significantly worse rotation, I think it kind of makes sense for them to trot out their best chance at getting a win in each game. And honestly, this uh, <clears throat> the pitching matches for matchup for Texas. Looks better. Um, they don't have a guy with a sub-3 ERA, which doesn't necessarily mean anything, but Cliff Lee is Cliff Lee. He's a phenomenal pitcher, even though he had a rough second half with um, Texas. And they're throwing T.J. Wilson. They can probably throw C.J. Wilson after that. And they have Colby Lewis. And uh, Tommy Hunter would round out their fourth. All four of them have a sub-4 ERA, and their peripherals more or less back them up, with the exception of Hunter, whose uh, peripherals put him somewhere in the very much a back-end starter kind of uh Caliber, but a three-eight-three ERA from a you know relatively low-caliber pitcher is not bad at all. So mm-hmm. um, that's a that's a decent top three there. Whereas the Rays will probably throw, in, like I said, Price, and then I, this it'll be kind of debatable whether they go with Shields or Garza after that. Um, peripheral support Shields, and uh, but ERA itself supports Garza. And then uh, if they need a fourth, they have Jeff Neiman, who will probably fall into that uh, <clears throat> um, the Tommy Hunter category there of a. Uh, more back-end caliber starter. He has a four-and-a-half ERA, which is basically exactly in line with all of his peripherals. He is effectively a average to slightly below average starter. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be good matchups. You don't have any... I mean, David Price is probably the closest thing to a world-beater. David Price versus Cliff Lee is going to be the most exciting matchup, and the next three will more than likely either be heroic starts from pitchers or complete team battles. <clears throat> I don't see any of those pitchers getting completely dominated, but it'll be... They'll have to squeeze every... Uh, ounce of, you know, winitude out of those as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. So of the four AL teams, which one do you most want to see in the World Series? The World Series? 
I want to say Tampa again, and just get, I mean, I just want to see Tampa again, because I just, I, I, I kind of relate to them in Minnesota, but something about Minnesota just kind of bugs me. Really? I don't, I don't dislike Minnesota, don't get me wrong, I like a lot of their players, but something about them just, I don't know, I feel like they shouldn't be winning as much as they are. Maybe it's because Garden Hire employs uh, the whole small ball thing pretty, uh, pretty uh, liberally, but uh, I don't know. They're a team that we relate to a lot as well. If you, um, it, A lot of people compare the two teams just with the whole, uh, you know, look at our two teams. They are building from within. They are a lot of homegrown players on there. I mean, you got Punto, you got Maurer, Morneau, um, who else? Well, Kadir, Kubel. Also, the homegrown thing, you can kind of throw Tampa Bay into that thing as well. Oh, exactly. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, the only reason I say, uh, mentioned Minnesota before Tampa is purely because that the comparison's been made before. So, uh, yeah, if you look at that series there, though, um, it looks like they are going to be starting off with, obviously, Liriano, and then you had, uh, said the, let's say I have, like, six windows open here. There we go, the Yankees, and probably Sebastian Liriano, yep. which will be a, just a disgustingly good matchup, at least I hope, because Liriano quietly had just a complete bang-up season this year. Yeah, I I, uh, I can't remember. I think I, I elected Liriano as, you know, the, the admins at Purple Row have been doing voting for uh, our off-season awards, and we uh, I think I ranked Liriano as third for the Cy Young. Yeah, forgetting Liriano would be just terrible. He's got a... His ERA isn't phenomenal, but he's at a 2.66 uh, fielding independent uh, ERA, and then his uh, adjusted is 3.06. Phenomenal season from the guy. Pitched 191 innings, struck out uh, over three batters per walk, and yeah, three and a half actually. And his home run percentage was down right Jimenez. He just had a very, very good season, and good for him. I mean, he's mm-hmm. like two months older than me too. No. I wonder what I've done with my life. Anyways, I, there's only there's only one Rocky who's younger than me, Chasine. Oh yeah, I'm I'm still young compared to most of them. Although well, I'm uh, Tulowitz is about a uh, I want to say year and two months younger than me, and then Hynette is about a year older than me, and then that's kind of where my I fall. So you got like Gonzalez, Fowler, all those guys younger than me, and then just about everyone else older than me. Uh huh. Although Giambi's kind of young, right? <laughs> kind of. More and Peyton, yeah, they're right in my age group. <laughs> So then the Yankees will probably be throwing Pettit out next. With his uh, 317 ERA is a bit deflated by, you know, slightly slightly poor peripherals. And I'm not trying to throw Andy Pettit under a bus. He's had a very good season, especially considering it might be his last. Um, although we've been hearing that for forever now, that Andy Pettit might retire this year. Oh, but he's back. Plus, um, with Pettit, as far as I remember, and I say I, I, I don't follow the AL quite as closely as I do the NL, but Pettit has a reputation for being a somewhat fantastic postseason pitcher, doesn't he? Or is yeah, it the, I mean, or, or, or am I confused? That's actually a good question. Let's take a quick look at Andy Pettit's uh, postseason numbers. Because for um, some reason, you know, he's, he's certainly pitched enough postseasons in his career. I mean, just being with the Yankees. But for his career, he has a 3.90 playoff ERA. He's 18. He's 18 and nine in the postseason. Yeah, that's 40 that's, postseason starts. That's crazy. Just unreal. He struck out. Let's see. It looks like he has struck out. Oop! Jump right past this. Um. Strikeouts and then walks. 164 strikeouts, 71 walks. He struck out 164 people in a post in postseason yeah, play. It, that's, that's disgusting. That's awesome. So that's, I'm 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 glad I I'm glad I gave him proper credit. And we got to remember, dude, at 2005, he also pitched with the Astros all the way up to the World Series. I wouldn't know that because it wasn't until 2006 that I started really paying attention. Gotcha. <laughs> 2000, 2005 was one of those years when Clemens and Pettit were both. Uh, with the Astros there, and that was the year they went to the World Series against the White Sox and got steamrolled because the mm. White Sox were just on fire again. 
it was the, the that two year stretch where you had the two curses being lifted at once, where the Red Sox won and then the uh, White Sox won right after them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that was an interesting time for Houston right there. They, uh, but we won't go too much further into them. Um, Pettit's probably going to be the number two for the Yankees, and then uh, they will. I'm guessing the Twins will throw Pavano in as a two. Pavano versus the Yankees. That'll be fun. That'll be very, especially in the postseason. Considering, uh, you know, the tragedy that Pavano, well, I guess tragedy relative to him, I suppose. He still got paid, but uh, Pavano getting that, getting a big contract from the Yankees and then uh, just completely falling apart. I mean, not when I say falling apart, he was hurt the entire time. Mm-hmm. Every time he got healthy, he got hurt again. And then as soon well, as he leaves the Yankees, he's healthy again. Falling apart is still a pretty apt description, I would say. He was falling apart physically instead of. <laughs> I say in- falling apart, it usually has the implications of. Oh, the guy performance, yeah. No. yeah. P- Pavano it has shown himself to be still a decent pitcher, and uh, I, I mean, not e- even a kind of guy that I would be interested in the looking for next season. And we could, uh, I don't remember if the Twins have him under contract next year or not. I'd have to look into that, but I'll go take I mean, a look. If they didn't, he pitched. He pitched 220 innings this year, over 32 starts. He had an over 50 percent ground ball rate. He's always had an okay ground ball rate. This was the best of his career. Um, good, home, you know, decent home run prevention. Uh, never strikes. It'd be basically be getting Aaron Cook. That's if, if hypothetically we looked at Pavano, you look at Aaron Cook. Mm-hmm. Same kind of numbers there. Ground balls doesn't walk many guys and uh, doesn't strike many guys out either. And yes, we could comment about how Cook's you know had a lot of trouble in recent years, but uh, Cook was also know, pretty darn good at one point too. So yeah, when, when Cook was doing his best in 2008, that's pretty much what we'd expect to see out of Pavano. Pavano does not have a contract signed for next year. Well, maybe so. If we are looking for another pitcher, he might be someone we're looking at. He's right-handed, so that might throw him out of the uh, mix, but uh, just something to think about. But uh, So then if you move to the three, uh, the Yankees have Phil Hughes, who had somewhat of a breakout first half and definitely tapered off as the uh, season wore on, but definitely not a bad pitcher. He's got a, His ERA and peripherals are all pretty much in line to be a low fours ERA pitcher, And whereas if we take a look at the... Uh, Twins, though, might be throwing Brian. I always butcher this guy's name, but Dunsing, I believe, is how you pronounce it. And I might be wrong on that. Sorry if I'm offending any Twins fans. But uh, he um, mixed, you know, he mixed uh, 75 innings starting, 45 innings relief, and had an ERA of 219. Peripherals obviously inflate beyond that because the 219 is pretty disgusting. But uh, definitely an effective uh, season from Brian Dunsing. And they might be looking at him to be their number three. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. And in the, in the number four, you got Nick Blackburn, who is a. Uh, um, probably the poorest out of the pitchers we've mentioned for postseason consideration so far. Um, he's at an ERA of five and two, five twenty-three, and then peripherals just a shade lower than that. So, I yeah, I would be more concerned about having to start Nick Blackburn than than Brian Dunsing, uh, just because of the fact that he has been having a rough season. Whereas the Yankees at number four would be AJ Burnett, who surprisingly enough is actually now going to be pretty much the poorest pitcher out there. A five-three-three ERA and his peripherals are a bit. It's again an inflated ERA, um, but about three quarters of a run below that for his peripherals. But he's not been the dependable pitcher that the uh, uh, Yankees faithful are were hoping for when they signed him to that also large contract right alongside Sabathia. So hope I mean for the Yan- for both teams' sake for Minnesota, I hope they sweep so they don't have to go ahead and uh, and throw Nick Blackburn for the Yankees. I hope they sweep so they don't have to throw AJ Burnett. That being said, let's go Twinkies. Um, on the other side of it, I, if I had to pick Texas or Tampa, that's kind of a tricky one because I want to see Texas do well. Just it, It's a team that plays in an extreme hitter's park, has never had really solid pitching, uh, at least not since, you know, Nolan Ryan. But, uh, 
you know, had some flashes of good this year, and they really put it all together this year under Ron Washington, and it's kind of tough. I want to basically, I would like to see a, get a series go to five and just have them both all great games. So it's kind of hard to say, oh, I'm disappointed with that series season with that series once it's over, despite who moves on. Um, I mentioned why I want Tampa to go on, so I'll probably stick with them, but I would not be hurt if Texas moved on. For me, and I, I've mentioned this on the blog several times before, I'm really not ready to see the, the Rays uh, win, because I've, something about me will feel really bad if the Rockies are the last expansion team of the 90s to win a World Series. Yeah. Um, for me, my allegiance in the AL is with the Twins. In fact, I can probably say that my allegiance in the entire playoffs is with the Twins. Possibly the Braves, if I had to pick an NL, but we'll get to that in a minute. But between, I would, I would rather see the Twins and Rangers win the World Series or get to the World Series than the Rays, but I will take the Rays over the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can't imagine too many people would disagree with you on that one. Except Yankees fans. Except Yankees fans, yes. Obviously. <laughs> so, I mean, some other big players to watch for. I mean, obviously we know all the superstars on the uh, on the Yankees. That's uh, not terribly exciting to look at. But with, uh, with the American League, the players you want to look at, besides the pitchers that we've already mentioned, with uh, Tampa, one of the guys that definitely keep your eyes out for is uh, uh, Carl Crawford. Who's going to be pretty much the top-tier free agent of the offseason. Yeah, that's uh, about the size of it. Uh, moving to the Twins, the last team to mention here, uh, they've had Morneau out for almost the entire, well, for like half the season here. So they're going to be leaning on Joe Maurer a lot as, uh, you know, their big name there. Jim Tomey's had an excellent season as a DH, and that, from what it looks like, he's been the most valuable, I guess I believe the most valuable designated hitter in uh, in the American League. And those are the three biggest names there. I mean, um, uh, Delman Young also had a very good season. Definitely tapered off as the uh, season went on, but he posted a, some good numbers as far as the traditional stats go, uh, RBI and such. He, uh, if you check out his 2010 season, 112 RBI, um, 21 homers, played 152 games. Still a poor fielder, hit almost just just missed 300 by a point. Good season for Young, especially considering the amount of uh, talent that the Twins gave up for him. Uh, yeah, the Twins are you know interesting team to watch this year. I can't believe they won as many as they did. It's one of those things where they scrapped out every win they got and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. As far as uh, value goes, the best uh, best DH uh, was – oh, wow. I might be looking at minimum plate appearances there. I was about to say it's Jim Tomey, but apparently he didn't show up here, so let's make sure he's properly mentioned. Yeah, Jim Tomey by a long shot. Uh Great team. I mean, it was Tomei, then Ortiz, and Luke Scott, and then Jorge Posada behind them, and I guess he kind of qualifies the DH because of the whole part-time catching thing. But Jim Tomei put, batted 280 with a 410 on base percentage and a 625 slugging. I mean, he hasn't posted numbers this high since 2002 with the Indians. Wow. At least as far – I should qualify that by saying that he hasn't posted numbers that high as far as an overall weighted on base average – or a WRC plus, which is just uh, scaling and adjusting your weighted on base average to 100, where that's average. 180 this year hasn't posted anything higher than 150. He posted 150 in 2007 with the White Sox. Previous season to that, 191 with the Indians. I mean, guys just had a phenomenal season at the play. Definitely a great pickup for Minnesota, and Chicago's got to be kicking themselves. Mm. Just kicking themselves. Um. One last thought before we move on, and I'll make this, I promise, is my last thought about the American League, is uh, 
Um, I feel almost bad for a familiar face being with Tampa that he uh, will have to see what they do with him on their postseason roster. But uh, Mr. Brad Hopp did not have a good season in the American League. He only played in 14 games, 42 plate appearances, batted 171 with a 310 on base percentage and a 343 slugging. Uh, just not good. Not good at all. And yeah. I feel, feel bad for the guy. He, uh, I really do, because Brad Hopps, uh, he, he struck out more in that. It's a very short sample, obviously, but struck out more than he ever has over a season in his entire career. Just just tragic, because we all love Brad Hopp, wanted to see him do well, because he seemed to be in a situation that would fit him better. You know, part-time first base, right field, and designated hitter, and just, uh, just not what we wanted to see out of him. It looks like he, uh... Played just a little bit of right field for the Rays, a little bit of first base, and the rest of the time was uh, as a DH. Yeah, I mean, he's had a season he's probably going to want to forget in in general anyway. I I don't really know what what it's going to be like for him in the future because his season was such a strange anomaly. I mean, he's usually been a very consistent player. He's had one good half and one bad half. Uh, Usually the second half is his worst half, but as we mentioned once before in 2008, it was reversed. Yeah. Uh, but I think that uh, I, I I would hope, because as I'm sure I've mentioned many times, Brad Hopp was my favorite player on the team until he left. I would hope that he uh, finds a uh, way to, you know, make sure he's all fixed up from that, that injury he got, and then, you know, the rest of his season was kind of marred by being unable to get back in a groove when he tried to play since after he tried to play through it. And I don't know how much of that is, is really uh, going to cause problems in the future. So I think he, he, he can have a somewhat bright shot and he'll probably attract some interest, but I mean, you know. see if uh, someone like Atlanta goes from, they have a hot shot prospect coming up in Freddie Freeman, but they could probably use a guy to play, you know, a corner outfield in first base as a backup. Mm-hmm. But anyways, that's, uh, he'll be looking for a starting job, but, we shouldn't probably shouldn't reminisce too much more about uh, Hop. We got an entire National League to discuss. Yep. So let's do that now. Uh, the National League. Uh, right before we uh, we started recording here, we had the final relevant game of the regular season occur, and we saw San Francisco defeat San Diego, which ultimately allows Atlanta to win the wild card because they won today, and we have. Philadelphia and Cincinnati, who have been the, their uh, respective division leaders for at least a couple weeks. So we've known about those two for a while. But uh, before we talk about these series, we should point out that there was a very interesting possible scenario today. If uh, we ended up with a three-way tie, you know, Atlanta won, and we could have had San Diego beat San Francisco, which would have left all three of those teams with the same record of 91 and 71. And, you know, when there's a tie in one division, it's a pretty simple procedure. But when there's a tie in two different playoff races, being the division and the wild card, it gets a little more complicated, and I still don't know if I'm completely on top of what would have happened. But I know a lot of people were rooting against San Francisco, not just because they hate San Francisco, but because they wanted to see, you know, all three of these teams fight for their lives over the next couple of days. So yeah, do you... What would have happened specifically if that's where you're going with that? Yeah. It would have been a, it would have, you would have had a one game playoff between San Francisco and San Diego, and I believe that would be in San Francisco. I might be wrong on that one, but that would decide the National League West winner. Right. The loser of that game would play Atlanta. Played Atlanta, I believe, in Atlanta as well to determine the uh, National League wild card, and loser goes golfing. 
Okay. Yeah, I was I, I I was assuming that that's the way it would work, but at the same time, I wasn't completely sure because I know that once the the, uh, the playoff game for uh, the division would happen, technically the loser of that game, assuming that they would count toward the official standings, like the game 163 did, though I don't know if they would, would also no no longer be qualified for the wild card. But that would be unfair because it would just give Atlanta you know, easy, uh, an, an easy walk into the thing. But obviously, the situation you described makes more sense. So You'd have, you'd have some fun rest versus, uh, versus rust going on right about there. And uh, I guess it would only be like a one-day break, but still, you know, take carrying that momentum, especially if San Diego had somehow won that game. They would have all that momentum going into the next game, which would have made it interesting because it would have become a four-game series. And, yeah, um, pretty exciting stuff, not going to lie to you. It's a shame it didn't go down that way because I wanted uh, um, San Diego to do it. Not so much that I like San Diego, but and especially considering the fan support they've gotten this year, I don't think they should be in the playoffs. I mean, granted, fan support doesn't really mean anything, but, I mean, come on. The team led the National League West for most of the season. And they led it in a season where they weren't expected to be anywhere close. Yeah, they, very they... Di- shame on you, San Diego fans. Uh, and shame, well, we're already done with the AL, but shame on Tampa Bay's fans as well. Uh, when you have your players tweeting that they're disappointed that they're getting 10,000 fans for a game where they're about to win a division, you know you're in trouble. Yeah, you remember that they gave out 20,000 tickets the next day. And... Yes, free tickets, didn't they? Just, just, yep. to get, just to get people in. That's. I mean, I've, I've heard of minor league teams doing this. I remember when I lived in Salt Lake City, the, uh, the, when the IHL was still a thing, and the, and the, uh, the Utah Grizzlies had just come to town, and they went to the Turner Cup Finals that year. It's minor league hockey, so it's obviously not going to draw nearly as much as like the Utah Jazz were at the time, especially since the Jazz were still in their big playoff runs against the Bulls. But uh, they literally went and, you know, just, they would go out and straight and say, dollar tickets, come pack this place out, and people came. I mean, with that, with so few sports options in the town, dollar tickets, sure, bring your entire Mormon family, because you got eight kids there for ten bucks. Come on, give me a break. Let's go do this. Um... Yeah, that my, my my parents had the uh, luck to go to that, and I uh, I didn't get to go because my parents weren't cool enough to let me go. But, uh, yeah, they said the place was just shaking. Just shaking. This is a minor league hockey game. This is Major League Baseball, folks. I know the trough isn't exactly the best venue in baseball, but you've got – honestly, the place was half-filled with Yankees fans. When I mean, it was more Yankees fans than it was Tampa fans most of the time. And we saw that with San Diego a few times, exactly. too. Exactly. I mean, this is, makes me think of like when the Rockies were in their rebuild still. I mean, you'd have a visiting team coming to town, and the place would be more full of visiting fans as, and than, than it would for Rockies fans. And I mean, I, 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 one side says I can't blame them, but at the same time, that's because we have four different teams to choose from, plus any number of second-tier sports, plus any number of college and minor league sports to choose from. We have kind of an excuse. Tampa Bay, not so many. One hockey team that wasn't playing. Come on, guys. So let's take oh, a look and here box, at let's take a look at the uh, the series that are going to be played here uh, on Wednesday. We're going to only have one of the two uh, NL series because that's the way they usually do it. They'll start with three games, both AL and then one of the NL series. And what we're going to have is Cincinnati at Philadelphia uh, to start. So let's talk about that series. Do you have any pitching uh, information there for us? Well, Cincy and Philly. Um, that's the one that pops right up there because they've been decided for longer than the other teams have there. Um, they could probably they're going to go with Halliday first. There's no way to go with Roy Halliday first. Mm-hmm. Two five three ERA. 
um, a sub three xFIP, and his other peripherals are. I mean, they're inflated from a two five three ERA, but uh, not to the point where it's you know this guy's actually a number five starter. I mean, he had a phenomenal season. Should win the Cy Young Award. Um, yeah, Roy Halladay is going to be the guy on the mound for them for them during the first game. Where Cincinnati is a little trickier. They don't have a lot of great pitchers. That's just that's going to be the deciding factor in this, and that is the reason I think Cincinnati will go down immediately. As much as I kind of want them to win again, because I've been looking for Cincinnati to do something for three years now. Um, once again, they finally put it together. You have Joey Votto posting his MVP season. Well, it should be MVP season. Um, but their pitching staff just is not entirely together. You have Arroyo as your number one, possibly. The sub-4 ERA, but by a hair. Uh, Johnny Cueto following him. Or he could even be going out for game one. I'm not sure if they've officially decided this yet. I'd have to look back into that. But uh, Cueto with a 3.73 ERA, and his peripherals are low fours. Um, Travis Wood could actually be a good choice there. A 3.46 ERA. Um, and his peripherals are mixed between mid-upper threes and a low fours XFIP. And then your final uh, two spots there could go to Bolquez or Bailey. Pretty similar lines there, uh, mid-fours ERA, and then peripherals that put them also in the low-fours. Um, it, it's a relatively balanced pitching staff. I think they might go with the Royal just for veteran experience and all that jazz. But, uh, I mean, they have a couple okay options. But, honestly, Philadelphia is a juggernaut when it comes to pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, Cole Hamels, not phenomenal this season, a 3.7 ERA. But his peripherals are putting him at uh, mid to low threes, uh, and that's pretty much where he stands. Halliday, uh, two eight zero ERA and low threes peripherals. Uh, Joe Blanton being kind of that back end starter kind of guy there. He has an ERA of nearly five. His peripherals put him at about a mid four uh, ERA, and that's pretty much what the Philadelphia rotation looks like. Honestly, if they can play their cards just right. They could really have Halliday, Hamels, and Oswald going for almost all of their playoff outings. And I just don't see Cincinnati overcoming that. I just don't. Because Cincinnati's biggest strength is their offense. Problem is, Philadelphia's greatest strength is their offense, too, even though their pitching is a juggernaut. Philadelphia could be a favorite to win the World Series again this year. I hope not. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I definitely see where you're coming from, especially considering their uh, their pitching stability it, right there. Yeah, don't get me wrong. This is the, the, the excited tone of voice isn't so much that I want Philadelphia to win, but it's just beastly. Part of me still, still wishes that Ruben Amaro Jr. had just gone for complete broke and not traded away Cliff Lee. And they had a rotation of Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay, and, and they obviously wouldn't have picked up Oswald because they would have had Cliff Lee. But, I mean, hypothetically, if we had been able to do it, if you throw Cliff Lee into that mix, too, and you have a rotation of four practical aces, three assured aces, and one, I probably a number two, but I could be an ace for a slightly, you know, less, high, lower caliber team in Cole Hamels. Honestly, it's it's tough to, uh, I, just, I mean, it's one of those oddities. It would be a marvel, really, and that's what I would have liked to see. But, as it seems that's not going to be happening, I guess we'll just move on from there. But still, that top three is pretty unstoppable. I'm um, not going to beat around the bush on that. Certainly. Uh, and then, obviously, you have your other series now with the two teams that were decided uh, today. And uh, at the end of the day, you have uh, San Francisco will be playing Atlanta. Atlanta will be at San Francisco as the wild card winner. And what do you think about that series? Um, Atlanta coming into the, their, their top three are looking like Hansen, 
Uh, not necessarily in any order here, but I'm just throwing this out by how their value ranks out. Hanson, Hudson, Lowe, and uh, kind of tough to see who would be next. You could either do Jurgens, perhaps uh, Chris Medlin. After your top three, it's not too pretty there. Hanson's had a very good season for himself. Um, Lowe had a – or not Lowe. Tim Hudson had a very good first half. Tapered off a bit second half, but he still has a, sub, a 270 ERA, and that's pretty phenomenal. Um, his peripherals don't back him up nearly as much as uh, we'd like to say they would. Um, if you look, his 276 ERA is being supported by a mid to upper threes uh, peripheral numbers there. So he's still going to be a good option. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely not someone to, to sneeze at. And same with Tommy Hansen. Hansen is going to be molding himself into one of the league's elite pitchers in the next couple of years here. Uh, he... If he's not their number one, it'll be just a um, symbolic thing again by throwing Hudson out first. But Hanson might be their best chance to win whatever game he's pitching in. So, but then we should look, take a look at San Francisco. Uh, let's see, we're still on the Reds. Yeah, San Francisco, uh, not many question marks there. Tim no. Lipscomb, Matt Cain, uh, and then I guess Zito and Sanchez would probably be their next. And then you got Bumgarner. I would tricky what to do with Bumgarner. I personally throw him in a long relief just because I don't trust him. Mm-hmm. I, just being a young pitcher, he's well, had his problems. Generally, I mean, they're only going to go with a four-person rotation to begin with, so yeah, I don't yeah. really think, being that their other four pitchers are who they are, I don't the think there's mark, really a lot of worry about having to put Bumgarner in that rotation. Well, the question mark is more, do you, do you have Z, what combination, pick two out of Zito, Sanchez, and Bumgarner. I personally pick Sanchez and Zito. Zito based on experience, and he has pitched in the postseason. And Sanchez, because I do think he's a better pitcher than the other two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lincecum is your obvious number one there. 3-4-3 three, three ERA, and his peripherals are right in line with that, maybe even a little bit lower. Matt Cain, a two nine five ERA, and his peripherals are putting him at about mid-threes ERA. Um, if, for those of you who follow Matt Cain, uh, yeah, yet another season where he did almost exactly what he did the previous years. He definitely bumped his, uh, his, his watch down quite a bit this year, but for the most part, he struck out roughly seven batters for nine, walked, he only walked two and a half, which is his big thing there. But his FIP in the last, since 2006, um, let's take a look at 396, 378, 391, 389, 365. Pretty darn consistent numbers. McCain's a known quantity, but you can see in the ERA drop that, um, well, his actual production has been, the, you know, roughly the same as the previous years. He's uh, figured something else out to kind of, you know, where the rubber meets the road. We saw him no-hit the Rockies for seven innings just last week, and, well, a lot of that is also should be credited or, you know, discredited to the Rockies' def- or offensive collapse. I don't want to take it away from Kane. He was not bad, mm-hmm. not bad at all. I mean, he was throwing some tough-to-hit stuff that the Rockies were swinging at and inducing weak grounders everywhere. Kane might actually, just considering how he has been pitching lately, if we take a look at his splits, um, take a look, September, uh, wrong numbers, September, he, uh, let's see, struck out uh, 33 batters, which is right up, I mean, his best month is actually August, but uh, let's see here, strike out the walk race, struck out six batters, six and a half batters per walk, 7-2-4 strikeout per nine, 1.1 walks per nine. His home runs are a little higher than normal, but those are usually, I mean, it's a small sample thing anyways. His stretch run there was pretty impressive. I would almost be more, I would almost say that Matt Cain would be the guy to be most worried about. And when I'm saying that someone is more to be more worried about than Tim Lincecum, you know you got a, a pretty stellar top two there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Zito, you're going to be kind of, I mean, he's still kind of putting up mid to back rotation numbers. Um, Bumgarner had a deflated ERA if you look at uh, peripherals there. And Sanchez still has a disgusting strikeout potential. So it's a good pitching staff top to bottom. I do believe that they're, I mean, anything that happens, this will be honestly a battle of pitching versus batting. And right. any game that's not started by Tommy Hansen for the Braves. Because Tommy Hansen versus whoever will probably be a pretty decent pitcher's duel. Otherwise, it's going to be, a, can Atlanta out-bat San Francisco's pitching? Because I don't think San Francisco's batting can out-bat Atlanta's. Okay. So, you've already said that you want Tampa to succeed in the AL. Who do you want to see them facing from the NL? Cincinnati. Don't think it's going to happen, but I like Cincinnati. I'm not a huge Dusty Baker fan at all, but I like the... Uh, their young team thing they got going on there, and they've got some good vet. I mean, they they, they got some fun players to watch. I like watching. Um, oh, what I just forget his name. It's Johnny. Uh, Coelho. No, not Coelho. Okay. Kind of, hang on, give me one second. I feel kind of stupid right now. Uh, you're talking about Cincinnati, right? Yeah. Um. Johnny Gomes. No, yeah, Johnny Gomes. Thank you, Johnny Gomes. Okay. I, Johnny hasn't had a great season, but he's fun to watch, at least in my opinion. Joey Votto's one of the best players in baseball, um, if not the best right, or the best in the National League. Uh-huh. No, he's not. Pools is still better, but uh, Votto's had a better season. But uh, Scott Rowland at third base, uh, Jay Bruce out there. They've had some excellent catching from their catching tandem there. Um, it's just It's been a good season for Cincinnati, and uh, they deserve everything they got. Mm-hmm. So I want, to, I want to see them go the whole way because, I mean – just because it's a team that's, once again, kind of a youth movement thing that's made smart uh, moves to fill in their gaps. And go Cincy. I don't think it's going to happen, yeah, but you I'd already, like to see it. You already said you think they're going to probably get uh, kind of slapped around by Philadelphia. but Yeah, I just I don't see a way around it. But I sentimentally hope they do it for no reason other than go youth movements. For me... You can I, see my bent, obviously. Teams that make me think of the Rockies, I want them to win. Mm. For me, I'm going to put my NL allegiance behind the Braves. Um, the Braves? Well, for one thing, I've always liked the Braves, and I realize that the Rockies of fans in general have always had some sort of issue with the Braves, but I, I do like their team. I, 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 I do actively, it's not just, oh, it's the Braves. I, I feel like rooting for the Braves. I, I enjoy uh, kind of the game they bring. And I I think that it's one of those teams like you you, you were going down their uh, their pitching rotation there they've got a lot of different kinds of players they've got some variety in terms of uh, where they are in their careers and where they're going to go and where they've been and I mean when it comes to Bobby Cox as well I don't necessarily really like the guy but at the same time I have a huge amount of respect for what he's done and I think it would be cool to see him uh, after he did so much with the Braves in the nineties and just giving them that complete domination of the East Division, seeing him go out on kind of a high note, which I guess you could say he's already done, but I just think it would be cool to see that. However, uh, even though we disagree on wanting to see Tampa, I would be more than okay with Cincinnati having some success as well. And so I think for me, ultimately, I want to see the Twins versus the Braves, but my backup choices would be the Rangers and, and the Reds. That's not bad. I don't. I, I would not mind seeing that either. I can't think of a team that I want to get to the World Series more than Cincinnati, because I I don't really like Philadelphia or San Francisco. I don't, I don't have any. I don't have any problem with the Braves. I just I don't know something. That I I still feel like they. Uh, you had your fun in the nineties. You got to lose another <laughs> decade. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I I guess I I just don't have uh, any sort of amount of 
distaste for them, and I think there's a lot of people with the organization, both players and otherwise, who kind of would uh, benefit from winning a, a uh, something big this year. So uh, that would just be my pick there. But I think ultimately, I still want the Twins to to actually win. Uh, but at the same time, I don't really have that much stock invested in anybody. So I think more so than rooting for either Minnesota or Atlanta, I'm going to be rooting against New York and San Francisco. Fair enough. <laughs> and possibly Philadelphia as well. Though, uh, any predictions on the actual outcomes of the series? No, I, I really wouldn't even even try to predict those things because you know I don't even try to predict the way the season will turn out. I think that you definitely have a point in saying that Cincinnati will be disadvantaged by uh, by Philadelphia, and I think that uh, other other than that. There's none that really stand out to me as super easy wins for one team or the other. I think Atlanta and San Francisco are pretty well matched out with different strengths on their team. I think that both Tampa Bay and New York are going to be forces to reckon with, but at the same time, I can't bring myself to really commit to saying that New York is going to have success because... Minnesota has just been on, been able to pull through in tough, tough situations like that. And plus, I'm biased because I hate the Yankees. Well, fair enough. As far as the, well, seeing how you don't want to give predictions, I will. I see Twins in five. I can see uh, I see Rangers in five. I see I see Phillies in three, and I see San Francisco. Not San. Yeah, I, I take San Francisco in five as well. Okay. So then I would probably. I'm going to say Phillies in six, and then I will say, I want to say Tampa. Oh, wait, no, so I picked the Rangers, didn't I? Yep. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm banking on Cliff Lee going twice in that series and taking two wins at least, and then the other three games I'm scratching out one win. And and, um, and, and, and walking zero batters and, you know, exactly. 16 innings. <laughs> Pretty much that. Um, I'm going to say, I'll say Twins in seven. And in the National League, I will pick Philadelphia in five. And then World Series, Philadelphia and Minnesota. Oh, that's going to be an ugly series. Cause you got two, you got two completely different teams there. You, the Philadelphia have a hard slugging, um, ace heavy rotation, or, or sorry, a heavy slugging lineup and an ace heavy rotation. Whereas Minnesota, you have more of a, you know, you have a couple big hitters and then a lot of table setters and role players on the other side of it. Um, boy. Whew, I don't even want to make a prediction there. Because I want the National League to win, but I don't want Philadelphia to win. Well, we'll have several weeks to go before any of this shakes out. So if it starts looking Let's... more like that's going to be the way it turns out, then I'm sure we'll have a better idea by then of exactly what, how, how the teams are playing in terms of their strengths and weaknesses. Minnesota and seven. Okay, Minnesota in seven. We'll see, for, we'll see how much this changes next week. I would uh, be very pleased if Minnesota won. So I, I hope that your uh, your situation, uh, your predictions there turn out. But at the same time, I would rather them not be playing Philadelphia and giving Philadelphia a chance to win again. Though I think I think I'll still take Philly over San Francisco. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so if there's an NLDS or NLCS between uh, Philly and San Francisco, I'll probably back Philly. But that would that would be the worst case scenario. 
Yeah. Well, as far as the playoffs go, that's really all I have. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's only really so much we can say about it except the way it stacks out. I will reiterate really quick the schedule of games. Uh, I don't think any times have been scheduled yet, but we know that we have um, Yankees at Twins, Rangers at Rays, and then um, Reds at Phillies all on Wednesday the 6th. And then after that, it's going to be the two AL series again and the other NL series, this one being uh, Braves at Giants. And then Friday is just going to be the the, the uh, NL teams. So I don't know for sure what the TV schedule is going to be. Are they still doing AL on uh, network and then NL on cable? I wouldn't doubt it. I hope they don't, but I don't hope. I feel bad not knowing this because I'm usually on top of this sort of thing. What with the whole television thing going on, but uh, I haven't really paid attention to the way that's going. So I would assume that, but obviously, you know, you have a thousand other resources to get that information than us. So it's not really all that important. But you know, I always get excited. I always get excited with the postseason. I think it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I find it a lot more entertaining to watch these teams play in the postseason than just randomly in the regular season. So uh, I'll definitely be paying as close attention as possible and watching as many games as I can. Well, excellent. (laughs) I'm trying to to see if they they have anything about what's going on. I'm on TBS's website at the moment. Um, Yeah, give me a schedule, you jerks. All right, then. Never mind. So next week we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to kind of do a wrap-up on the 2010 season. I almost said 2011 season. That would be bad. (laughs) We're we're already wrapping up on 2011. But uh, in terms of that discussion, we'll probably just highlight some of our, our favorite moments, our least favorite moments of the season, talk about some of the developments and uh, maybe give a little bit of a preview of what we think needs to be addressed for 2011, though at the same time we have a whole offseason to talk about that. So uh, that's the way that kind of shapes up for now. And unless you do you have anything else you want to mention? Or? Um, I'm, from what I'm seeing right now, um, it looks like that the uh, postseason might be, at least the DS will be split up between Fox and TBS, and not one network will have it over the other. Right. Okay. So... With that, I think that about wraps everything up. On behalf of myself and Andrew, we'll see you next week. Take care, and I hope everybody enjoys uh, and survives the offseason.